dude, yeah, the, the performing aspect, I've never really felt stressed out about that. That's like the, the performing shit. That's like that's fun. It's awesome. It's all the other shit that's just sort of like it's exhausting and like demoralizing and like. Yeah, I mean, it, I think taking some time off, like, it kind of, like, allows you to clear your head and, like, it, like, sort of, like, lets you get, establish some distance from, like, you know, the fucking, the various characters that you have to deal with in order to advance. And focus on stuff that I have control over. Is you should make shit independently and not really worry about, I don't know, whether it hits or, like, you know, if it, like, leads to anything. Just, like, make shit just to make shit. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the D.C. area this weekend, we've got Robbie Hoffman headlining Big Hunt. Robbie is a very funny Canadian comic now living in Los Angeles. She has appeared on Netflix and IFC. You can get tickets and info on the website. Our guest today is Ryan Shutt. Ryan is a New York-based comic who has appeared on Gotham Comedy Live. Ryan and I started doing stand-up in D.C. around the same time. We talk about what it was like in those early days and how our paths diverged with him moving to New York to pursue stand-up while I stayed in D.C. and focused on producing. We go way back. Yeah, we do at this point. We've known each other, what, eight years? Yeah, I would say, yeah, maybe like eight and a half even. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we met, we took a class at DC Improv, which is, yeah. some people consider that embarrassing. Do you consider, <laughs> are you embarrassed having taken that class? Not really. I mean, it, it was actually, it was really helpful, um, not in terms of like learning how to do stand up, but like I got a really fucking good tape out of it. And like it allowed yeah. me to kind of leapfrog into like opportunities that I wouldn't have had until like, you know, years later. Yeah. Because you just kind of get this like awesome tape. Um, you know, at a great club and like, you know, and the audience is like so supportive. So it like looks like you're killing, even though you should probably like, at least for me, like I, it made you look like you were like three years in when re- in reality, I'd only been doing it for like a couple months. Yeah. Because most of the time you wouldn't be performing on that stage in front no. of a sold out crowd. Right. Um, until you were several, several years in anyway. So yeah. I think it all, yeah. And like that, uh, gives you that experience of knowing what it's like to be in a club yeah in a full club and so it just kind of uh raises your expectations for things yeah i also think it it like there's that but also like it kind of made getting my teeth kicked in at mics like a little easier because i'm like well i have done like i i do have the capacity to do well in front of in like ideal circumstances so it's like all right like this isn't necessarily a reflection of like you know my like ability to be funny you know just bombing at fucking comedy yeah, spot it's not your mall. ceiling right so um anyway so yeah i don't know it was it like if you get a good tape about it like that's sort of the value of like a class you know um but they're kind of a ripoff in every other have sense. you when was the last time you looked at that tape christ i don't even know years i looked at that i'm sure I, it's unwatchable yeah oh my god mine is <laughs> mine is so awful i had a joke about like jerking a dog off yeah i remember it there's a whole Vividly. act out yeah like you you get down on one knee to jerk <laughs> it do. off yeah it, it's not a, it's not a subtle act out at all no i really make it clear I, I paint a picture oh i just remember how you uh you got the check spot i think in that show i got the last spot or you went you went last i went long i had like a 10 minute tape because i went way too long (laughs) i felt like it was like a little bit of a disadvantage the spot that they put you in 
Maybe I don't know. I I think, dude, it was like the crowd was like just so supportive that like it, yeah, it, it was, wasn't yeah. like a normal show. Yeah. Did they even have a check spot? I feel like the instructor went up and did it. I felt like I I don't know. I I just had this kind of like vague memory of like thinking that you got kind of a little bit of a bad spot, and then I got fucked when I was auditioning. Th- then on the audition, yeah. Then it had. Then it was much worse. Yeah, they they dropped the checks. Yeah. two minutes into my audition, and like. The laughter just went off a fucking cliff, and I was like, "What the fuck happened?" And I looked, and they were putting. Ch- yeah, and I was nobody's like, paying attention. Why the fuck doesn't the whole? There's such an easy problem to fix. I know. I couldn't believe. It. I felt so fucking upset. I like. I was miserable after that. Audition. I know. I remember seeing you after that. Yeah, it's rough. That's... I think I got. I got a fucking stress hemorrhoid after that. Oh <laughs> I was really? Just like, I was so bummed out. Yeah, and That's... it was terrible. You how how long do you say stressed out after it? Um, I don't know. Or just I mean, it was, how upset you were that night. I went, dude. I like. I think I went straight from the audition to like. I like. I hit up some like booty call afterwards. <laughs> <I was> just <laughs> yeah. like, I'm gonna go out for some drinks and forget about this. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, because I mean, like, you know, that was back when like the the improv like the door opened once a year. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and I was like, you know, so, like looking forward to it for like months. It was and totally different. Yeah, you only had one chance. You had an audition spot, and that's it. There's no open mic. Yeah. There's no shows in the lounge, right. really, that There's you nothing. can get on. It's, it's only just, hosting weekends. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, who knows? This might have been bullshit, but I remember when I, like, they, they started working me there like a couple months afterwards, I think independent of the audition. But like, <laughs> I remember after the weekend, I was like hanging out with the staff afterwards, like drinking across the street and like... Uh, one of the managers, I was like, hey, it just means a lot that, like, you booked me. You know what I mean? Like, this is my home, like, town. And, like, I don't know. I was just I was just being embarrassing. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, this is your first weekend here? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we, th- we thought you worked here, like, a lot. I'm like, no. Weird. What the fuck are you talking about? That's strange. Yeah. And I was just like, all right. Well, whatever. I'm glad. I'm, <laughs> yeah, glad, that yeah. I'm glad that I'm getting work here now. You grew up in D.C., right? Yeah. And uh, were you aware Eastern of, Market. of comedy while you were growing up no not at all i mean i i mean I, I knew the improv existed here but um honestly like there just wasn't like like much here until like so like the dc as it exists now like didn't really start until like 99 and i mean just like violent gentrification essentially but like it was just kind of this like bleak landscape it was really just like a bombed out city and so like there wasn't really a whole lot of like going out. I was also a kid, so I wasn't really yeah. doing that kind of shit. But, but Pittsburgh was like that too. Pittsburgh was like you don't go like in the city. Like there's there's just nothing to go do in the city. There's yeah. a couple of streets that have stuff on it, but nobody lives in the city. There's not like a, a vibrant thing happening every night. It's like on the weekends you go to these spots. Yeah, the only comedy that we would go to is we'd see like whenever Seinfeld was in town, my parents would take me to go see it. It was it's at like the Warner Theater and then sometimes at the Kennedy Center. Yeah. Like you'd see comics like Yeah, I saw Seinfeld at a fancy theater in in Pittsburgh also. Right. So that was that was about the extent of it. Uh, although the improv was here, but um yeah, I mean uh like to to kind of get like our dose of like I guess like culture and shit. We used mm-hmm. to have to go up to New York, so we just would like drive up to New York for like a weekend. And we, my mom wanted to do that probably like four times a year. Yeah, I don't know if the improv was like an amazing <laughs> club back then. I I don't know I if no it idea. was or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it might not have been. I I mean I watched like a ton of shit growing up like on TV. So like I mean the fact that like The Simpsons were on syndication, I watched that shit like every night. So it's like two episodes of The Simpsons and then 
the one episode of Seinfeld. But that was I was, was going to say because I used to just watch multiple episodes of Seinfeld every day. Yeah, dude, I used to tape them and like I'd watch them like you know just on loop. When did you first start thinking about doing stand up? It's weird. I kind of like I guess maybe towards the end of college. I forget what prompted it exactly. I just started listening to like a ton of stand up out of nowhere, and then I moved here. And my life was just fucking miserable. I just had like a horrible job. And when you you mean moved back from college? Yeah. So I went to college in California, and then I came back here and just like was just hustling and like working like four shitty jobs. And mm-hmm. like I just was I, when I would walk around the city, I just like listen to stand up. And eventually, I was like, I should I should do this. But I had this weird like, you know, this is a bad way to approach anything in life. But like, I had this weird feeling that like you had to be invited to go do it. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And that doesn't happen. Yeah, except, how could it happen? Except it happened to me. <laughs> okay. So like, I was at I was at the Looking Glass, and I was with some friends, and I was just all drunk. And I think I was trying to, I was just hitting on some girls, and like, a dude that was with them was like, "Hey, you're pretty funny. Like, I'm putting on like a show. Like, you should come do it." And like, in retrospect, I'm like, maybe he was fucking with me. But like, um, I was like, "Yeah, okay." And I, I, he was like, "Let me get your email." And I, you know, gave it to him. And then, like, the next morning, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot I gave my email to some guy. Uh-huh. Like, he'll probably never contact me again. And then, like, two days later, he's like, how long do you want on the show? And I was like, 10 minutes? <laughs> For your and, first time. Yeah, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, okay. And it was at this, like, really hip, like, Columbia Heights, like, group house. There was, it was, like, some weird, like, uh, arts, um, event i guess Uh they had all these different house parties so like one and like each house is like devoted to a different kind of art so it was like painting and like sculpture and shit i think there was like i don't know some fucking other kind of like maybe like photography and then the house i was in was like the performing arts house Mm -hmm. it was a variety show which already that's a bad it's a bad situation um and people were just getting talked over there was a lot of people there it was probably like a hundred people on like the first floor, you know, in like the standard format, like Columbia High School right. House. There wasn't a stage. We were like right by the stairs. Yeah, yeah. There's like a light bulb. And I remember too, uh, right before I went on, fucking, uh, do you remember Jim Graham, like the council member? Vaguely. He's that weird dude with like the glasses and he drove around a beetle, I remember. But anyways, he popped in and was like, <laughs> hey, like I just want you guys to know what you're doing for the city. like this, this neighborhood's like really important. Um, we're about to we're about to change it up though. Yeah, exactly. And then and then like you know it was just like this rousing and people people gave this like this like thoughtful applause, being like, wow, like we are making a difference. And then I go it's up, like FYI, everybody's got to be out. We're flipping this house. Yeah, a million pretty dollar much. Townhouse. Yeah. Thank you for raising the real estate yeah. values in this neighborhood. Uh, this used to be a crack house, but um, and then I just I I put together the worst bomb of my life i've never had a bomb hurt worse than that it then was, your first time yeah it was wire to wire sounds for 10 minutes i did like a story and i just fucking i, I don't think people really knew how to react to it like i just remember mm-hmm. people were kind of like staring at me with like these kind of frozen smiles mm-hmm. i got nothing for 10 minutes and then just i think i did like 13 because i was just like trying to ad lib yeah, out yeah. of it already <laughs> yeah, and sure, just sure. like just panicking and uh i remember i got i, got, I was so nervous beforehand i, I probably had like seven beers and yeah. i was so jacked up on adrenaline i felt sober when i was like on stage oh yeah i de- almost certainly wasn't but then of like course. <laughs> yeah and then i just fucking uh when i got off i just like nobody could look at me and i just was like i walked out and the dude that booked me was like how'd it go i'm like uh yeah. <laughs> and he was like all right well thanks man i'm like okay and i think i i went on like 
probably like a seven mile walk <laughs> just yeah. like in the middle of the night by myself just like you know muttering and like trying to you know think of how it could have gone different was but, that before you did any sketch because you got into a sketch group well too, yeah so no I, I did sketch and i did improv but so that so i, I tried to stand up first but weirdly i was like i feel like i could be good at this but i think my main problem is i'm not comfortable on stage and so i was like i i maybe if i went on like with a group of people that would be like an sort of an easier way to transition into it because i didn't when i met you i know i knew you're in that sketch group mm-hmm. but i didn't know you as someone doing stand-up at the yeah. time and i thought that you did like sketch like that was your thing and you were like trying out stand-up but you were actually using sketch to with the idea of getting better at stand-up yeah i mean so like the improv was good just because you got a lot of reps on stage and then with sketch it sort of five reps yeah right um but the uh with sketch like it it got you like used to writing material and performing it and then so by the time i did stand up it was like all right well i kind of have all the tools necessary to do this were you going to mics before you took that class no okay i was doing i was doing mainly improv and sketch like that was yeah. Had you done stand up again since the first in between the no, first I time in that for, class? No, I quit for eighteen months. Okay, <laughs> I was just like, I can't. Like this, that was horrible. I'm never doing it again. I had been. I started in like February, and then that class was like over the summer, in like yeah. June or something. Right. Um. So, but I was going up, you know, probably three times a week. That's pretty good. It was hard to do that. Like I think when we were like, because there wasn't a lot of stage. That was the other thing too. Is I kept doing improv because I was like, there isn't enough stage time doing stand-up well there was in virginia though oh well yeah it was kind of tougher for me to get out there but um i was just like i I was able to get up more because i would i'd have improv shows and i do you know mics here which were really like a lot of them were kind of like shows they weren't you know like in Mm -hmm. new york that it's like the mics here were shows right um by new york standards anyways and and so anyways that's how i kind of was able to do it almost every night of the week and then eventually there was enough mics here that i could just just do stand-up what were the shows you were doing when you first like after that class like the first mics you were doing at dc uh comedy spot that's in virginia yeah uh but not deep it's like it's just like it's it's literally like almost like at you exit the metro into the fucking oh sure mall. it's close it's very close but it's it is yeah not in dc northern virginia um fuck what else the the the, the district comedy guys so, so rfd blue banana mm-hmm. um what were the other ones oh like uh up there's that one that was way up georgia avenue like a firehouse, the firehouse one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't do that one that much, but that, yeah, the one in Silver Spring, uh, and then like, oh fucking Queen Makeda. That one was like twenty feet from my front door, oh, so yeah, I used yeah. to go there all the time. I remember, yeah, you talking about that all the time. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I ever went there. I love maybe Queen I did a couple times. It was like a late night Tuesday, Mike, and uh, and then just what you want a late night Tuesday, yeah, Mike. <laughs> I mean, some yeah, it was just it's cool just, when you can when it works. If you can get something going, it's neat to have it at a weird time. Yeah, and it, but it was also just like the act of being on stage was enough. Do you know what I mean? Like even yeah. if you just are For, it if is, going it is up enough. in front of comics. Yeah. Um, the, uh, fucking what's the place that Russ and Brawl? I mean, they had a bunch of shows along U Street, but like that yeah, was helpful yeah, that yeah, I yeah, live right there, those. so I could just like go to like Tabak and like fucking that Ethiopian sports bar. Laughter hours. Yeah, laughter <laughs> hours, man. And then. Uh, Fuck! What else was there? There's, I mean, and then eventually I started going. I, like I was too nervous to go to the draft house because I also knew that like it was one of those things where if you bombed there, that mic at the draft house, like yeah. they probably wouldn't put you up again. So I was like, I, I'm gonna wait until I'm like kind of like 
passable and then go try and then i was able to kind of work my way into the like the core there pretty quick because i because i had been working for like a year and a half i started going to that mic every week within the first month of doing stand-up yeah so i just started off being terrible there and they understood that i was terrible and they put me at the end yeah. but at that time they would only bump like two people a week like right. that's how many people were signing up for it so yeah. i would get on every other week so i would just go there get on every other week and you know i just slowly got better and then they just moved me right along and it was wow. it was nice to be that was like the it really gave you i, I try to like recommend this to people and I, I don't know if it's even still the case out there, but it really you would go to these shitty shows during the week and you're trying to work on stuff and get better. And then like then on Saturday, even though going last, it's still packed. Yeah. So you're still performing in front of 60 people that are into the show. And then you find out like what works and what doesn't work. And then you go back and like work on it all week the next yeah. week at those shitty places. Yeah, you get your set and then there's the shit you're working on. But like I, DC was like mysterious to me then because I was just used to being at all these Virginia shows and the um, and like I just like you and like Alahe are like two people that were like I like DC people to me yeah which I didn't know very many DC people it was like there's a group of Maryland people there's a big group of Virginia people and then there's just like a handful of DC shows and DC people at that time yeah I like I. Also, just like yeah, for for me, it was just based on like convenience. So I was like, I would go do, you know, like urban shows, just because it was like I I wanted to ride my bike five minutes down the street rather than go to fucking right. You know, did you have some uh, show at like a Chinese restaurant? Yeah, yeah. When I the first place I ever went, the um, the dude running it la like moved and then handed it over to me, and then they closed the venue right immediately. So I was like, well, let's try to find another Monday room. So that was at Hunan. Yep. Um, Hunan number one. And uh, that was a terrible show. Awful show. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, whatever. It was a place to talk into a microphone. Right, exactly. And then there, what was that place? It was like a gay bar in DuPont that was just like a basement. That mm. was like the Monday show, where I remember. Oh, that was later. Yeah. So then that was after I moved to D. So I had two. I had one in Courthouse also. Okay. Called Summers, which is, I think they I still have comedy. I think they still have comedy there. Uh, but I stopped those shows when I moved to D.C. And I didn't run a show for like the first, I don't know, six or eight months when I was here. And then it got really annoying. And uh, then I started Townhouse on Monday. And townhouse. That's the one. And uh, yeah, townhouse. yeah, Big Hunt on Wednesday. And Townhouse was like, I, I meant it to be like a garbage show where you could just go fuck around. Yeah. And it was just strangely, it started to get a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, despite the smell um i don't rem i remember there were people there but i don't really remember it uh for anything other than just sort of like standing in the back with like fucking like 20 comics yeah and the just like yeah the piping almost hitting me in the head yeah people like, are like standing out the door yeah. always standing out the door because it was so small right uh yeah those were the days man they were man that place is closed of course um turn into probably like a fucking wine bar or something now it's just an empty it's still just an empty really uh, yeah it's never wow. turned into anything but yeah i mean so like i don't know i i really loved like just going to those shows. and then like yeah once you, you started to be able to get like two or three sets a night sometimes and like i just ride my bike to like all these different spots like fucking man remember like riot act that place being yeah, open yeah. for 
like literally eight months. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's about how long it was open. <laughs> like, I did the first mic there. That yeah. place was crazy. Yeah, uh, where they were like piping in the crowd noise. They what? Like uh, you would go. This is just like they did it for not. They did it for like the first five comics. You would walk on. You know, like instead of playing like entrance music, right? Uh huh. They would just the the uh, speakers would go. <laughs> like you're at a college football game oh my god and it's just like what is that sound it's like I that's know. a call co- it's like that's a stadium cheer like yeah. that, that that doesn't that sounds like belonged in this, in this room and yeah fun. yeah and then uh, um and like people like it was i don't weird remember that because it was they only did it did you go to the first mic no i i, I went to a couple though so that afterwards but not it the was one. there was over 300 people in the room and it, so yeah. there was a lot of applause it was there loud a lot of people that show the shows i remember but the ceilings were so fucking high it yeah, didn't really matter. high. yeah and then uh but what happened was so you couldn't hear it, that fake crowd noise that well because people were clapping at the same time yeah but then throughout the show like it kind of people started being like what what is that what's that noise yeah and then comics started commenting on it and then they figured <laughs> out what it was Fucking then yeah, they figured out that it, about it. and then they started <laughs> shitting on it and then they stopped doing it in the middle of the show they just then they just stopped they stopped doing that and uh I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't do it again after that. Yeah, one of my favorite like early comedy memories happened there. It was like there was this older like black dude that was like sitting there and like he just looked like he just had this like sense of authority to him. I was like, "Oh, this is like one of those like old like veteran comics." Uh-huh. And uh you know, he comes up to me and is like, "How are you, young man? Like are you 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 comic?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like and I'm like, yeah, how, how long have you been doing it? He's just like, man, I've been in this game for about 18 years. I'm like, holy shit. And then, like, he just starts, like, you know, waxing poetic and shit and being like, you know, comics, like, we're, like, the like you know, arbiters of society. And, like, we point out the <laughs> hypocrisies and make, you know, jokes based on, I'm, like, I'm listening to him, like, yeah, like, this guy really, oh, yeah. <laughs> he really gets it, man. Yeah. Like, and, and like, uh, they call him, he was, like, going up right before me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he walks off. He's like, I got to go up and do my set, man. And then, like, literally as he's walking through the doors into the, the theater, I'm like, hey, man. He, like, kind of pauses. And he, like, looks back. I'm like, have a good set, dude. And he's <laughs> like, thanks, man. And I go up. I watch him. like, I'm going to watch this dude. Oh, <laughs> and he goes coming. up. <laughs> and he kind of, like, gets comfortable. He takes the mic out of the stand. And, like, he's just, like, in control. I'm like, holy shit, here it comes. And he just goes, ladies, y'all got to suck mo." dick <laughs> and yeah. like the crowd is just like aghast they're like yeah. what the fuck and he just bombs so bad and he's leaning so into this ladies you got to suck more dick bit and he walks by me and he's like "Ooh, it's a, t- it's a rough kid <laughs> you gotta you gotta work for him i was like what the fuck man i that saw horrible i saw a dude there maybe the same dude he goes i think i think we both know who it is i don't know who this person is I, you de- well yeah I mean, I've seen him. I've seen him have tough ones at Big Hunt, like later. Okay, this is not the same person because I never saw this person again after. But this was an older black dude, also, Uh. and he he was pretty old. And he's like, he's like, I'm getting old now. He's like, he's like, it doesn't it doesn't work the same way as it used to work. (laughs) Oh no! He's like, I used to take the pussy. But now I gotta ask for help. Oh He's like, my god! You gotta god. help me out here. You gotta help me out. He's like, I used to take the pussy, <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god, I gotta get out of here. Oh god! Listen to this. Yeah, so that was disturbing. incredible. I, actually, that reminds me of fucking. Oh, what was the name of that like that horrible bar 
that was right next to the Howard Theater that th- they used to run shit. So Tony Woods had a mic there on Tuesdays, yeah. and it was just him drinking at the bar with a, like a cordless mic, <laughs> really? talking into it. Yeah, that sounds right. And and like his crew of friends just like hanging out with him, and like he called it a mic, but it was really just watch Tony drink at the bar. Yeah, I de- and, I definitely never saw that. And to their credit, like they were super generous and nice to me. Like they would give me the mic, and I'd just do jokes with them, and they would laugh, but they were being like. In retrospect, they're just being just like way too kind to me. I used to go to uh, there was like um, well, there's Rollo and Russ's room, mm-hmm. and then there was also like for, I can't even remember what the other ones were. Pure Lounge, maybe. Oh, fucking pure! Yeah, with Joe Jack. Joe Jack, yeah, yeah. So I would do those God, shows. I had some, some bombs on that show. Oh. I also, I also felt good when you had a good set. Yeah, because you could but have a like, good set. And good God, did I have some t- like rough ones there? When I started out, I was so uncomfortable. I was so nervous, just in general. Well, it's just a hookah bar. Like you're just interrupting is... people's night. It's like an ambush show. It, it feels bad. Like my first six months of doing stand-up i like i stared at the ground like i didn't look up from the ground and i kind of rocked back and forth i was super nervous in any environment no (laughs) no matter how few people were there no matter what it was i was just incredibly uncomfortable and i was i was very weird on stage not at all like my regular personality and when i would go into those black rooms i would have decent sets like Mm -hmm. they would really like be supportive and like enjoy it and as i got more comfortable and started to just be myself they hated me (laughs) (laughs) i just bomb every time i would just bomb every time they're like who the fuck is this person like we don't give a (laughs) shit what you think you know like having any confidence at all they're like get the fuck out of here but when i was like nervous and weird they're like this that's cute this is adorable tell us your tell us your stupid thoughts yeah yeah you're stupid yeah man um Fuck, Pure Lounge. That was a good one. Yeah, these are all starting to come back to me now. But that, yeah, that Tony Wood show is hilarious. I mean, like, I, they literally didn't even have a stage. It was just like you hang right. out at the bar. <laughs> so then you ended up, you know, the scene came along. There's tons of shows. And people started moving on to New York. And then eventually, you know, kind of a whole group of guys left. Mm-hmm. And uh, including you. I think you, you were kind of like on the... I guess in the middle of that group of like Stav and Twitey and uh, Tyler Richardson. I was, well, Tyler left before I did, but I left because like I remember here, like I was sort of like my cohort was like Twitey, Mahdi, Jamel, me, and, and like Stav and you. Yeah. And like I remember like they'd kind of started before me and like we were sort of all like getting booked on the same shows, but they were like. You know, they were sort of getting booked on like slightly more shit, and I was like, I can either stick around here and like keep not getting like you know like those spots. Oh, did you leave before that? Do you leave before Stavimati? Yeah. Um, Interesting. It was all we all left at about the same. Like, yeah. In the same. Looking year. back on it, it seems like you left at the same time, but yeah. But I mean, part of it was I got I got a job at Columbia like way faster than I thought I would. Like okay. that happened like that, and I I figured the process of getting a job and moving was going to take like a year so i was like i'm going to start casually like applying and yeah that just moved the timeline way the fuck up and um how long have you been in new york now it's gonna be five years in march and uh how's it going (laughs) um it's okay i like i i like it there um it's just like yeah that city's just fucking intense man like you know what i mean like i like it a lot but like um it's not like like sort of living here and doing comedy was like kind of a laid back thing like they're like everything's fucking like 
ruthless. Every I've, aspect yeah, of life right, is right, fucking all of like it is, hard. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just the the difference is like there's opportunities there. Like I think here, like it seems like there are a lot more than when I was doing it. Oh, the, way more. There's um, way you you've got a shot at you have a shot at maybe getting some stuff going from here. I mean, you'll have to leave once it gets going, but yeah. you could you can there are people that have started getting things here and, uh, yeah. and then have moved and yeah. that wasn't the case when when you were here definitely not i mean so i remember like the to me the ceiling was sort of working at the improv regularly and yeah like, it was um after like a like a, a, within like a year they booked me like three or four times to host and mm -hmm. i was like all right well now i should start thinking about going up yeah, I'd say, I mean, I would say, like, featuring is probably the seal. Like, you know, yeah. headlining, like, headlining some small, like, uh, independent shows and then featuring at clubs here is probably, like, the ceiling. Right. Um, but I guess my point is, like, do I spend another couple years here? I was also, like, a little bit older than, like, that, that cohort I just mentioned. Like, mm -hmm. so I was sort of, like, I should go now. And then also, yeah, I mean, also just, like, from a a day job perspective like the job at columbia is like a huge step up which mm -hmm. like that kind of made it hard um to balance comedy in that because like that was like a real it took a lot job. of effort yeah. yeah and so it was like you kind of can't really dick around like and at night like i was yeah um and so it just it just i sort of like reached this point where it's like i kind of have to make a choice between so you decided that you were going to uh you're going to leave that job because you wanted to put more effort into stand-up? There's that. I mean, I also just fucking hated that job. I mean, it was like a thing where, like, I was sort of going down this professional track that, like, wasn't deliberate. I just was following yeah, yeah. money. Do you know what I mean? And so... That's exactly what I'm doing right now. Right. Well, but it's just, like, you got to make money, obviously, but, like... I, I mean that more of, like, not so much as the money part of it. It's just the track... I'm just going down the track that I'm on. Yeah. I didn't intend to be on this track. Right. I it's and it but it's like a thing where like I just reached this point where like the job is getting really fucking stressful and I was like man like you're walking around at least 8 to 10 hours a day just fucking like miserable and yeah. kind of vaguely angry and yeah. sort of like it's time to do some honest accounting of like what you want to do. And how, how where do you think you are in that in that sense now as far as how often you're walking around miserable and vaguely angry? Uh, Honestly, it doesn't happen in the same way. There's different stresses because mm -hmm. it's like when you're... Yeah, life stresses, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, I don't really have a boss, like, telling me what to do. Like, a boss that I resent telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just, like, kind of getting back on track with, like, getting, like, like a good paycheck again. Um, yeah. But, the, yeah, there's, like, a two-year period where I was just sort of, like, cobbling together stand-up and, like, living off unemployment and, like... Because you were, like, making somewhat decent money, I would imagine, from your day job yeah. in D.C. and then your original day job in New York. I was making, a, like, a decent amount of money doing comedy here, too, just between, like... Yeah. You were you were having me host Big Hunt on Fridays, I had my own show, and then, like, you'd get weekends at Draft House and the Improv and, like, maybe some weird one-nighters. And so, yeah. like, I was, like, between, like, 500 and a 1,000 a month, and so, like, that's great. Yeah. Walking around money. Yeah, it's, I mean? a, it's nice extra money. Yeah. So you're living in a, like with four or five other people, four other people? You live in yeah, a, I was apartment? living in a pretty big town. It was a great, like, I wouldn't have left that place unless I moved in with a girlfriend yeah. or, like, bought a house or something. Because it was just, like, essentially a studio apartment on a top floor of, like, this 
place off U Street. It was great. I was like, I was actually ref- like, I was, I was walking around the city down, sort of reflecting on that period. And yeah, I was like, yeah, that's that a like good. A, that was a good era. Yeah, I think back on that early stand-up time in my probably my first, I don't know, five years of doing stand-up. Yeah. I think was like probably like the most fun time that I had. Totally, and then yeah, I mean there there isn't like the same like sort of careerism that there is like in New York where like you know there's there's a lot of stuff that you have to do that you maybe don't necessarily want to to sort of right get access to opportunity well yeah you don't have that career pressure on you because it's not a career you know you're just like yeah it's kind of it's you know it's like a hobby and like exciting at first it's not you, you don't have yeah. any pressure on you to get anything or right. do anything when you it's first so start it's, a, it's an interesting story to tell at like parties right like i'm a comic <laughs> and, and this people people or in the city people are like whoa like yeah interesting. right yeah you couldn't be more more different than everyone yeah. to do something in interesting New York, and it's I, just a fucking scarlet letter you're just like oh you're a comic like stay the fuck away from me well yeah and i think people's perception of comics has changed a little bit from when we started until now just because there's so many comics and comedy is so prevalent it's yeah. like less of a like mysterious thing to do yeah everyone's like oh i've been to shows at right this point. right right it's like yeah it's i mean i've heard it compared to like being in a band in the 90s where just like right. everybody was sort of doing that like a right. little bit right. it's kind of like comedy and like improv more loosely now mm-hmm. yeah plus everyone's like following their dreams now yeah it used to be like everyone was just doing jobs yeah well i mean yeah i have a whole theory about that i mean that's kind of what like like working horrible jobs here in dc and just sort of being miserable like it was kind of a thing where it's like well if you're gonna be like feeling like shit all the time like might as well go for something that's like maybe fulfilling on like a different level how does it feel being in new york in a kind of a half of a bedroom living room (laughs) situation and you know not having a lot of money to pay your bills even it uh, sucks dick <laughs> it's how, really fucking being com- broken that city sucks yeah because like if you're like that city more than any other i think if you're not making money like you're just you're like you're not shit and um yeah and like eventually i was just sort of like i'm tired of being fucking broke um all the time and it's like i have to i have to go back I have, I have to go back into so i do film set dressing stuff now and it's sort right. of like i have to go back to making money and like the benefit to um having a low overhead with like a room like that the trade-off is like look it's kind of a shitty like room but like i don't ever worry about my housing costs and i can go do whatever i want pretty much like mm-hmm. in terms of like going out to eat traveling somewhere yeah it whatever gives, yeah it gives I got you the, flexibility I got for all other all yeah. other parts if you hold that rent down which is very difficult to do in new york obviously and my like i mean this happens to like people i know all the time but like my buddy recently like him and his girlfriend live in this gorgeous apartment not far from me um but now like but they pay too much in rent and it's sort of a thing where like now i like invite them to go out and they're like oh, we're kind of we're kind of tightening our belts like right now and i'm like all right i mean i told you this was gonna happen but okay <laughs> yeah. like fine and so they sit they sit in their nice apartment and i think in that city anyways if you're not out like all the time it's sort of like why the fuck are you living here like i, like, I get that people have like high powered jobs yeah. but like you're paying so fucking much to live there and what you're paying for is like the culture the yeah right like, you know the the businesses the restaurants like all that shit, like the being out in the city aspect of it you just want to live in a fucking apartment or house like go live in atlanta or something like, right right those are it's a perfectly nice city and you can you get a lot for your money and like people kind of sit in their houses there so what was the experience like when you moved up to new york i mean everybody it seems 
goes through a terrible time of going up there and yeah. kind of trying to having to meet everybody, try to establish establish yourself as someone that lives there and is legitimately doing comedy and yeah. you know is reasonable to put on shows. How long did it take before you started getting on shows regularly that weren't like terrible mics? Yeah, um, I probably. I'd say about a year. I think about like it took me about a year to like get on like the big shows that like when you get on them, it's like you're the prestige shows. Yeah. Where it's like you're like it's sort of like an announcement of like you're like like you're firmly like a part of like the New York comedy right. scene kind of. Right. Um, so it took about a year and like. um And then like, yeah, I was like I basically to start booking shows at like a basically like a th- three to four show a week clip it was about a year and a half two years and what did you so in the meantime you were doing mics and then did you do mics do you yeah. do those kind of crazy mics in new york yeah of course i mean you have to like to just start to be on stage just to be on stage yeah and to feel like a comic again um well i'm sorry you don't feel like a comic when you're doing those because you're just getting your fucking you know right you're just getting beaten <laughs> you know by the city but um and then do you try hanging out at other shows yeah you have to do that you have to like go just go hang, sit, hang yeah. out meet people mm-hmm. become you know try to become friends with them slowly right just be a part of like you know the the sort of social fabric there and then you ended up uh you got a tv credit yeah i mean in quotation marks but yeah Accounts, People man. have seen it. Like my, my my friend's parents have seen it. Weirdly, like so they have Access TV on Gotham Comedy Live on yeah. uh, Access TV. Yeah. And uh, how did how did that come about? I um, it was a long, fucking weird, fucked up process. But like, I I won this contest at like I think the Pit, where basically it was like this March Madness thing, and basically <clears throat> it's basically like an improvised stand up show. But basically they're like. Here are the premises. Like the, the day of the show, they give you like five premises, and you have to write bits about each premise. Okay. And the best jokes win. And so, like, I did really well in that tournament. And I guess the booker of that show, um, or no, sorry, there's this dude. He was running this kind of bullshit, like, like, like content aggregator website. And he's like, I want you to write for it. And by the way, I know the guy that um, books. Uh, Gotham Comedy Live and, and he's like do you want to be on it I'm like yeah and so that was this whole like elaborate thing and so like I, I produced content for this horrible website and like um, he, yeah it was one of those situations where he's like I'm going to get you on and then there was like a contest that was like rigged as they all are um, <laughs> where like you submit and like the coincidence was like I won after he told me he was like going to get me the you know the credit um, oh rigged which, for you yeah one of the few times I've never happens. had anything rigged for me dude it, it feels great yeah <laughs> you're like i am the best yeah, <laughs> and just like right. it's really just like a deeply corrupt um but yeah i've been on the fucking wrong side of that more times than i can right. count but um but the thing that was annoying about it that you're sort of talking about like yeses that aren't really yeses like he's like oh i actually got you a spot to audition for it and i was like oh i thought you got me the spot and he's like no and I was like, okay. It's still a good, that's still a good position to be in. Right. So I had my foot in the door and then I went to Gotham uh, to audition. And the, f- the first time I did it, fucking, I got bumped by Jerry Seinfeld. He just came in and did 45 yeah. minutes and was like, sorry, you can't audition today. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. And then. Your career is bumped. I know, exactly. We're, we're pushing it back a couple months. And then, uh, and then I went and I auditioned. They're like, you're great. Be on the show. And I was like, okay. So, but yeah, all this took about a year. Yeah, and of just like emailing and like being persistent and like just continuing to like needle this guy. I do think uh, 
you are maybe the best at needling needling yeah i I, have to man you're uh you're very persistent i think you're maybe the best at the professional side of comedy which is like the sending emails sending texts making connections with people like going through all of the processes that you have to go through to like for people to know you and for people to remember you and to ask appropriately for opportunities um and I mean, that's like a really, it's an annoying part of stand up and it's a tricky part of stand up because you don't want to bug people. If you're, if you ask too much, then you're annoying and you won't get stuff. And if you don't ask enough, people will forget about you yeah. and you won't get stuff. So you really got to find that kind of middle ground. Yeah. I mean, I had an office job, so that's like what all of that was. But yeah, yeah, it is, it is like sort of a weird balance to strike. But in my experience, I've only had a couple of opportunities just like, fall out of the sky where it's like a booker sees me right. and is like hey do you want to do this thing right the rest has just been fucking you know being like here's a tape here's my website would love to do it you know keep right. me in mind um yeah and I'm, and there's people that are like really fucking good at it that like you know i mean there's all kinds of examples of people that just like are awful on stage yeah. but they but they just hustle their way into shit by just being you know proactive yeah they can write like, a good email they know how to like get they get a tape that's good they yeah. send the tape they write a good email and then or they, they're great at parties like they just roll up and are just a fucking hit and like people are like i want to hang with that person yeah. that's that's definitely not me <laughs> yeah but that's a different skill that's like yeah. that's a totally different that's like jamel yeah you know that's like we just want to be around this dude yeah like we just want this dude here with us yeah. so we got to get him on the show right right like yeah that's like that's like almost the opposite skill yeah of of like being a great hang yeah being a great hang versus like being doing doing the work doing the work behind uh stand up yeah. would you do it anything differently if you had to like go back and then you think you made any mistakes or like you just realize like if i if i had just like kind of pursued it this way i think it would have hap- like things would have gone faster um i don't know i mean it's 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 all sort of difficult to because there's all kinds of like sort of weird junctures um, you know, it, like in my like sort of like comedy career where I'm like, if this had broken this way, like I'd, I'd be in a different position. So yeah. Like, specifically with regards to like me trying to get booked on late night for like 18 months. Like there was yeah. a couple of moments that like they just didn't break my way. And I was yeah. just like, fuck. But also in a weird way, like late nights kind of disappearing. <laughs> like in... Sure. Like it's just it, like it still exists, but like it's diminished in its importance to stand up. But and also just like there just aren't as many spots, like right. Um, and like yeah, so the sort of getting on TV thing is something that comics care about, but it's sort of like you know just being in New York, like you see those people out at like the same bar shows you're on, you're like, oh man, this hasn't moved the needle at all. Right. You get you. I mean, you get it. It does in terms of like booking shows in new york and then like also like you probably don't get like you know flexed on quite as hard by like some booker in like you know cincinnati (laughs) yeah it helps you just like kind of each thing like each thing you do helps you a little bit right like Mm -hmm. each good show you get on is like more legitimacy to you you know each each credit you have even if it's not breaking open your career it's like once you have a bunch of credits then they're like okay this person's doing lots of stuff even though even if it doesn't mean 
that they're going to be able to headline and ha- draw from it. They're at least, you know, it's putting you in that upper level. Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe if I'd stuck around here a little bit longer, it might have been. I can't tell if it would be beneficial yeah, or not. Because it's, it's like, because it's also like a thing where like, um, I was also in like a pretty serious relationship at the time. And I was like, my other career was sort of like kind of ramping up. And so it's sort of like I had to make the jump and like, um, but I think after I left, I saw like the scene here kind of took a big step up yeah. and it was like, and I would have been positioned to like be on the showcases that maybe like, I don't know, managers or whatever would, you know, be attending or just, you know, opening right. for big people, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I don't think you necessarily missed out on anything. It's like, yeah, you, it probably, it would have helped you a little bit to be here but it helps you to be there too like they're both i think sometimes about um what are you 29 32 32 okay i'm seven years older than you Mm -hmm. so um but if i i started sample i was like 31 Mm -hmm. and it was like i think if i had started when i was 24 then i wouldn't be running these shows like this yeah i think i probably would be in new york I think I would be in a similar, I would basically just be in the same boat as you and Twitey and, mm-hmm. uh, and the other, you know, who, you know, anybody else like Ann Stavros minus Comtown, like, um, just being up in New York and then just trying to grind out spots and like move my way up. And, uh, you know, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to think about, um, just the, uh, the alternate paths and also, you know which which path is a better path to be on like if you end up on tv and famous you're on the better not, path it's not it's not happening <laughs> do you feel that way do you feel like that's already not meant for you um i just think you see like when you're in new york you see the like the ways that people's careers go when they get into those positions yeah. and it's like that's clearly not the path that I'm on where it's like like a lot of the people that like are sort of like getting cast on things or getting certain like I I don't even remember really even seeing them do bar shows like they just leapfrogged everything because there's a specific like a talented in a special way or they just fuck it dude the whole thing like it's just a lot of it's just a fucking lottery man like it's just like like a lot it's like these like there's like these NYU kids that just have sort of been like in the scene and acting and getting in front of the right people since they were in college. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't think they ever went to mics. They might have a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's like not in the ways that they're like, you're like grinding at them for like two or three years and you're doing bar shows and you're doing clubs. And then like, um, and so anyways, it's just like a thing where like those people like sort of get like these big shows and like agents and managers. I'm like, how did that happen? Like, it's like mm-hmm. you're, you like, you haven't really been around right. some people they have. Sure. Um, but others are, I'm like, I, I do not know this person personally. And I, I'm like, I'm out there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, sure, it's amazing sure. that I've never met this person. They're like, you know, uh, like writing for the daily show now. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think, what do you envision for your future? Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, uh, like I have been like, you know, submitting packets to stuff like mm-hmm. I, like a writing job would be great. Um, Honestly, the last year has sort of been like, um, 
I haven't really been focusing on stand-up that much just because, like, uh, my mom died. Like, I went through this whole bullshit process with Late Night. Like, yeah. And I, it was just a thing where, and, like, I, was, I had to sort of get my, like, uh, like, my money right again, kind of. And so I was, like, just focus on working and, like, kind of restabilizing yourself uh-huh. and, like, um, and so, it, like, and I had to sort of do this, like, honest accounting of, like, everything of, like, mm-hmm. you know, what what aspects of my life do I sort of want to re, um, I guess, like, enforce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm kind of, I'm starting to, like, work the road again and, like, you know, uh, kind of get back into it. So and you feel so, like you, you stabilized your, your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just between, like, getting, like, a job that, like, pays enough where I'm not, like stressed about money because that like when that's happening like your whole fucking mental bandwidth is like taken up by just like this low-grade stress and it's yeah. like you're not writing new shit you're not being creative you're not like in the mindset that you need to be in to like yeah it's very hard yeah, yeah and you just, can see that in in comics you can see comics that are going through a tough time and it's just like i do wonder it always makes me wonder like if it would be more valuable to them to take a to take a little bit of time off and totally. And I mean, you see, you see it at mics all the time where it's like a lot of the problems that people bitch about. It's like, yo, you wouldn't have this problem if you didn't go to fucking mics every night. And like, yeah, be, and like yeah, going out funny. and drinking every night. It's like you can solve this in a month if you right. apply yourself like this problem will be gone. Right. Like, permanently. Yeah. And sometimes and sometimes you just like sometimes you just need a week off just to like reset and like stop being frustrated by like the same jokes not working and the you know whatever i do the, the the performing aspect i've never really felt stressed out about that that's like the, the performing shit that's like that's fun it's awesome it's all the other shit mm-hmm. that's just sort of like it's exhausting and like demoralizing and like yeah i mean it, i think taking some time off like it kind of like allows you to clear your head and like it like sort of like lets you get, establish some distance from like you know the fucking the various characters that you have to deal yeah. with in order to advance. Um, so is your idea you you feel like your life has, has stabilized? You're gonna you're you're continuing to like w- you know work on that part of it, you know, to keep it going, and then you're getting back to to stand to moving forward with stand up also, and you're just yeah. gonna kind of like let things unfold and just see what's possible. Well, and focus on stuff that I have control over as yeah. opposed to like I think the first couple years as in New York like. You kind of need to do this on some level, but a, th- a thing that was stupid. And I guess, I guess, uh, going back to the question of like things I would do differently, is you should make shit independently and not really worry about. I don't know whether it hits or like you know if it like leads to anything. Just yeah. like make shit just to make shit. Yeah. And so like I'm like I'm gonna record an album soon, um, and that's really like the only thing I'm like sort of there's there's stuff that you have to do like to prepare for that so like I've, of course. I've booked a bunch of headlining stuff to sort of get in shape but like i think it's pretty much ready to go i just sort of i just have to go do it yeah booking the headlining stuff is important though too actually because you know you can develop that material doing 20 minute sets but you want to you want to run it yeah and see what it's like all together because it's different to do two 20 minute sets that work versus doing them back to back totally you know a wild thing you know that um uh Kyle Kinane's death of the party, like uh, apparently, I might be fucking this up, but he had he never headlined before. Like he did that album, oh, he right. had, but he's like, I only had really been doing ten minute sets, so I just kind of stitched together ten or you know like a bunch of ten minute sets for that album. And I was like, that's an interesting really? idea. That's an interesting way to do an album because uh, I think it would sound pretty good if you're doing yeah. ten minute sets. If you, you, if you, you can if hit real hard. In. Yeah, you can be real energetic and yeah. uh, 
get through that. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. But so, but I guess my point is like uh, focusing on like creative projects that I have control of. Like I don't need permission to like you know yeah do that. It's just like I can work on that myself. What kind of stuff are you interested in? Um, I've got some like ideas for like um, you know, like just like videos that I'm gonna put out. Um, like a buddy of mine, like is like a, a pretty talented um like videographer. Yeah. And, like he wants to do that kind of shit. Like he moved to New York from China and like he he's like the type of he's sort of the type of dude that I need to partner with who just like he just is energetic and just like makes shit like at all times. Oh, and that's so good. like that's definitely good. Yeah, and so then he and he kind of he never really says no to anything. Like uh-huh. he just is like, "Fuck it, let's throw it against the wall and do it." Because there's not a lot of people like that. No, so I know. It's great. And, and like, yeah, them. a lot of it turns out to be shit. But he's just like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's do you know on to the next thing." Um, and then um, I've been talking to a couple of people about doing a podcast, but I haven't really found like a hook that works. Yeah. Or it's like the, like or the people that I'm like friends with. It's just sort of like we kind of have the same demeanor, and it's sort of like, all right, we need like. It's sort of tricky. like a wild card person to like yeah yeah i'm like i'm much better at sort of like tagging shit you know what i mean yeah instead of being the fucking like when i have to be the biggest personality it's like yeah it's gonna be kind of tough yeah i've tried to start you know i think four podcasts like where you're just do a few and try it out see how it goes yeah and then you're like i don't think this is it right and yeah yeah. So I mean, and that, and then sort of like the like what was kind of frustrating about, or what's been frustrating about, like TV writing shit is like I always it's always felt like I've sort of like lucked into packets through my network of people finding out that there that you could submit a packet. Yeah. Them. It's just like, and it, it always comes to me like three days before the deadline. Yeah. And they're like, hey, this show's hiring. Like, do you want to do it? And like, there, I mean, there was one I fucking I was really actually proud of this packet, and I worked on it for like two days. And submitted it, and it almost immediately they actually got back to me, but they're like, "Hey, we're not taking unsolicited packets." So I'm like, "Oh fuck. man, two days of work." Yeah, and I was I was happy about it too. I was like, I actually put something together for once that I was proud of. Oh, so you're glad that you did it still? I mean, not really. It's it's, it's unusable like in any other thing. Right. But I'm like, hey, it's a packet that I'm not like ashamed of. Like I think I nailed yeah. the voice of the show. And right, I um, mean, I'm sure it's good practice too. I'm sure it makes you better at doing packets. Yeah. Know? But but the thing that's frustrating is I don't feel like I'm in control of that process. You're not. Like, and uh, like I had who and the thing too just about this fucking business in general is like there's so many just like dumbass like hucksters and charlatans and like sure. um you, my my point is like I had like a manager briefly who uh, and in retrospect I'm like I'm not sure how credible that person was cuz right. like I remember literally one time uh I was working on like the packet for like Michelle Wolf show and like I I told this manager and I'm I'm like they're like what are you working on I'm like well I feel like you should bring me some shit yeah yeah <laughs> like you know two hey what on. packets you got yeah well <laughs> dude and I, I told her I, I told her about it and she's like how'd you get that I'm like you're supposed to do this kind of shit like why yeah. the fuck are you asking me how I got yeah. it yeah yeah <laughs> like what the fuck are you hey, talking about hey, who books that yeah it, it, dude it was literally that kind of shit we're like I'm doing this show they're like oh how like how did you find out about that I'm like. You know what? Fucking unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. You just like it just and it I just like it would be helpful to have someone that would like How did that relationship end? Uh I don't we just kind of it just kind of petered out. Apart. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like like they weren't bringing me anything right. and like I, you know, and then they kind of like moved on to other people and I was just like, you know what? It's whatever. I like it's not the the relationship is fine, but it's just sort of like 
I don't I don't even really know what it was like yeah. I, they introduced me to some people and I did get a couple of minor things from that relationship mm-hmm. but like they were not like a an established yeah. like person well I mean I think the way things are moving now creating your own content is the most obvious thing to do right regardless like even if you had a manager even if you were submitting packets I still think the answer would be creating your own content right. seeing what you can come up with see if you can come up with something that hits that turns into something you know i think that's your best shot at this point yeah yeah and you know i still like working the road like i've been i've had like a pretty robust calendar the last couple of years of like you know going out to yeah, various you create a lot country. of connections at the different clubs and with headliners and stuff so you you are that's the the, the work part of it you're able to get out there yeah yeah well, man, I think uh, we did it, man. <laughs> that about I th- covers it. Yeah, All I think right. uh, things are going good for you, man. It's uh, happy to hear you uh, got everything stabilized up in New York. Yeah, yeah. You ready to just crank out some stuff? Oh, yeah, buddy. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.